the Lord be with you. And also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. God's mercy endures We gather to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service and ministry in our midst. And as the spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us here in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
pray. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We begin our service of worship each Lord's Day with a moment to pause and to recognize our weaknesses, our humanity. We have known error and we have known mistake and we have known misapprehension. You and I, you human, you, you human being, you. So we pause to recognize our humanity, seeking ever again the grace, the pardon, the mercy, and the love of God. And so we are helped, guided, and aided in this each week as our choir sings the traditional Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy upon us. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, verses 1 to 11. When you have come into the land that the, that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket 
and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And when the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. The word of the Lord.
A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Romans, chapter 10, verses 8 through 13. The word is near you, on your lips, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 91 with the antiphon. in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord.
Please be seated. Five days ago here at Marsh Chapel, about 1,000 students and others presented themselves for Ashes on Ash Wednesday. Our hardworking Marsh chaplains and team served 430 or so. The chapel also hosted three Catholic services and the weekly contemporary theological school service wherein ashes were given, hence about 1,000. In the last few years, Ash Wednesday has begun to catch up with Easter and Christmas in active young adult participation. Why? My middle name of late is I don't know, which I don't. One of our chaplains preaches his Ash Wednesday sermon every year on the theme, the ashes are not magic ashes, but they draw. The touch draws, the solemnity too, the whisper of mortality at the very fountain of youth, the strange, numinous, yet public pause, the flesh of it all. There is perhaps another cause or reason. Here, midwinter, is an encounter with antiquity, for two millennia, women and men have been preparing for a Holy Lent. For two millennia, women and men have stopped to remember ashes to ashes, dust to dust. As our English chorister read it some years ago, thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Is this not subliminally why, in part, we are here this morning too? For two millennia, women and men have listened to readings from Holy Writ. For two millennia, women and men have received Jesus in cup and bread. For two millennia, come Sunday, there have been choirs, preachers, prayers, candles, and quiet. The architecture of our Gothic nave, with an origin nearly a millennium ago, speaks to us so. Our long, tall, yes, traditioned stained glass captures places and people from longer ago. Our habits of liturgy, stand and sit. Our habits of liturgy, sing and give. Our habits of liturgy, bow and kneel. Our habits of liturgy, our body language, give us a jarring encounter with antiquity. For once, Every seven days, we are not jailed and stuck in the shallow shallows of the 21st century. We are liberated to time travel, to get out and see the past, and perhaps, now and then, to hear something good and learn something new. It is the season of Lent, and again, come this first Sunday in Lent, we meet Jesus in the wilderness, there, he resists. In the time-honored tradition of a three-part story, we are given a lesson about making and keeping human life human. Here, as in our other Gospels, the Lord faces and masters the various tempta temptations which we also know. They include a kind of will to power, a sort of pride, and a type of avarice. 
we come to church with some experience of temptation and resistance. As the songwriter says, good experience comes from seasoned judgment, which comes from bad experience. In many communities, including our own, the sun rises this morning, this Lenten morning, on experience of loss and hurt. This morning, there are homes and families who have suddenly known unexpected loss. This morning, there are friends and groups of friends who have been faced with mortal danger. At one breakfast table, a wife now sits alone for the first time in a long time on a Sunday alone after 60 years. At another breakfast table, a family gathers for the first time in a long time, now missing a member. It would help us to remember just how short our words do fall in trying to describe the depths of these moments. Our words arrive only at the shoreline, at the margin of things. Beyond this, we practice prayer, which is a kind of sitting silent before God. Our immediate community here along the Charles River today mourns unexpected losses. Along with the scripture and the music, amid the hymns and prayers of our worship, there walks also among us today by the mind's farther roads a recognition of loss. There is some shock to loss. There is a kind of fear that comes with loss. There is often later in loss an honest anger. There is some numbness in loss. There is a real and a good desire to do something helpful. And there are questions, numerous and important. And there is one haunting question too, why? We do not know why these things happen. We hurt and we grieve in the bones, in loss. At the deeper levels, we just do not know. And for an academic community committed to knowing and knowing more and knowing more and more, this means wandering in a serious wilderness. Give us an equation to solve. Show us a biography that needs writing. Provide us with an experiment. Happily, we would organize a committee or develop a proposal or phone a list of donors. But loss, unexpected and unfair, is tragic. And the tragic sense of life, del sentimiento tragico de la vida, takes us out into a serious wilderness where we learn with Jesus to resist. Faith is resistance. Faith is the power to withstand what we cannot understand. We are in worship this morning to attest to something. Faith is the power to withstand what we cannot understand. 
Worship is the practice of faith by which we learn to withstand what we cannot understand. God is the presence, force, truth, and love who alone deserves worship, and worship is the practice of the faith by which we learn to withstand what we cannot, can never understand. Worship prepares us, prepares you to resist. So we see just Jesus again this Lord's Day in the wilderness. We come to worship to learn to resist all that makes human life inhuman. So here you are, come Lent, come Sunday, come 11 a.m. today again to walk in the wild, in the wilderness. Our Lenten series beginning today will engage in conversation with St. John of the Cross. From 2007 until 2016, Lent by Lent, we identified a theological conversation partner for the Lenten sermons, broadly speaking, out of the Calvinist tradition. In that decade, we turned to the Calvinists. In this decade, we turned to the Catholic tradition. With Calvin, we encountered the chief resource for others we engaged over those 10 years, voices like those of Jonathan Edwards, Paul of Tarsus, Marilyn Robinson, Jacques Ellul, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran cousin, Karl Barth, and Gabriel Vahanian, and themes like atonement and decision. In this decade, beginning with Lent 2017, the Marsh Pulpit, a traditionally Methodist one, turns left, not right, toward Rome, not Geneva, and we will preach with and learn from the Roman Catholic tradition, so important in the last 200 years in New England. And some of its great divines, including Teresa of Avila, Ignatius of Loyola, Erasmus, Hans Kung, Karl Rahner, and John of the Cross. Perhaps you will suggest a name or two, not from Geneva, but from Rome. For those who recall even dimly the vigor and excitement of Vatican II, there may well be other names to add to the list. We began with Henry Nouwen in 2017, and we continued with Thomas Merton in 2018, and we turned this Lent 2019 to St. John of the Cross. You re may remember how much Merton last year loved St. John of the Cross. If not, as we start, listen to Merton on Lent. Lent, he wrote, is for people who know what it means for their soul to be logged with icy waters. And all of us are such people, if only we can realize it. There is confidence everywhere in Lent, yet that does not mean unmixed and untroubled security. The confidence of the Christian is always a confidence despite darkness and risk in the presence of peril with every evidence of possible disaster. Once again, Lent is not just a time for squaring conscience accounts, but for realizing what we had perhaps not seen before. The light of Lent has given us to help us with this realization. The liturgy of Lent is not focused on the sinfulness of the penitent, but upon the mercy of God. 
The question of sinfulness is raised precisely because this is a lasting, eternal day of God's lasting mercy. So let us then start our 2019 Lenten Marsh Chapel tour of a part of antiquity. St. John of the Cross was born in Old Castile in Spain, 1542, and is one of the great Catholic, great Christian, great religious mystics. He came from a troubled, poor family of weavers with perhaps some Jewish ancestry. Out of desperate poverty, his single mother placed him in an orphanage. He later studied in Salamanca and was known there for long midnight prayers, endless silence, fasting, and self-mortification in solitude. In 1567, he was ordained a priest and went home by custom to celebrate his first mass in Medina. And there had his life reformed in an unexpected encounter with Teresa of Avila, who signed him up and signed him on to help her develop her reformed, descalced, meaning shoeless, primitive rule, new Carmelite order. Carmel in Hebrew means garden, and the scriptural reference, of course, is to 1 Kings and Elijah upon Mount Carmel. St. John adored the Bible. Much of his young adulthood was consumed in spiritual direction and the hearing of confessions among the nuns, N-U-N-S, not N-O-N-E-S, the religious committed to Santa Teresa de Avila, and to the endless ecclesiastical intrigues, contentions, and outright feuds involved in running or starting or reforming anything religious, including a religious order. Such a mirror from the past has been spiritually helpful this winter, as many of us face a winter of denominational discontents. St. John, like Zacchaeus of old, was a man of small stature, under five feet in height. The most dramatic event in his younger adulthood came as a consequence of these administrative disputations when he was arrested and then imprisoned in the Alcazar, the castle in Toledo. There he was rudely treated, nearly starved, and after nine months escaped, scaling down the walls of the castle just above the river Tagus. It makes a dramatic narrative and ends with his reception, his protection, by and hiding out with the Carmelite nuns again. Now, St. John is known today, if he is known at all, by a single phrase, the dark night, the dark night of the soul, the dark night of the soul. Unfair, of course, it is to anyone to remember them by one phrase, yet John of the Cross is so recalled. He is your spelunking guide, your patrol leader through the caves of darkness, the hours, especially we morning hours, of despair, the wilderness, the wilderness, the wilderness, which our Lord, Sir Simcorda, endured, tamed, and blessed, see Luke 4. Think of John in the dark nine months in the Toledo castle. Think of him in escape on a moonless night. Think of him stumbling through the penumbra streets lurking in the vestibule of the nunnery for safety. 
Then think of him translating that pedestrian dark night into the poetic dark night of the soul. In his beatification in the 17th century, about 40 years after his death, it was remembered that he heard in his prison despair in Toledo the voice of a young man singing a simple love song. Muero me de amores carillo, que haré que te, que te mueras alade. I am dying of love, dearest. What shall I do but die? Of a sudden, somehow, in the heart of darkness, San Juan de la Cruz was transported into ecstasy. The song of love, the simple love song, becoming the song of death and of life. The simple voice of a love poem gave the heart of his mystical encounter, transported, of course, to the love of God. This becomes his poetic, spiritual, prayerful, mystical pattern. Is this not the Lenten gospel for you? Is this not the Lenten gospel for us? Your wilderness, your wandering, your wasteland, see, hear, is the landscape of love, the landscape of longing for love. Love personal, love human, love spiritual, love divine, all loves excelling. Quien no sabe de penas, no sabe de cosas buenas. Quien no sabe de penas, no sabe de cosas buenas. Whoever does not know hurt does not know the good things either, so St. John of the Cross. This Lent we shall see by the dark light, we shall see by the dark night, we shall see by the dark night of the soul. Or as in our hymn just now, while life's dark maze I tread and griefs around me spread, be thou my guide, bid darkness turn to day, wipe sorrow's tears away, nor let me ever stray from thee aside.
now come, please be seated. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Creator of the universe, in heart and in word, in our being and in our acting, we come to you in the midst of the darkness pervasive around us. We come to you facing the darkness of division, hatred, and exclusion. We come to you facing the darkness within the reality that the places that often give us hope disappoint. We come to you facing the fact that history repeats itself and we are painfully reminded that good intentions can still pave dangerous roads. God above God, as the darkness annihilates your presence in our midst, may we continue on in courage, for it is in our continuing of being and acting, in heart and in word, where we may again find you. In our actions and in our words, may we be the gospel. In the darkness of division, hatred, and exclusion, May we refuse the temptation to ignore nuance and push away those of whom we deem the other. May we instead, like the new being Christ, choose love over the easy path of hostility. In the darkness of disappointment, disappointment of systems, communities, and leaders, may we refuse the temptation to ignore the reality of our brokenness. May we work constructively together rather than reduce our disappointment into bitterness and division. In the darkness we see when history repeats itself, when churches choose to exclude and diminish the dignity of those marginalized, when those in power refuse to consider the experiences of those oppressed, may we do the hard work of reconciliation. May we be a space of light in the midst of darkness. May we, in our being and acting, in our hearts and in our words, live out the gospel. In this darkness where we cease to see you, may we see you through each other, and may your presence be felt through our hospitality and love for those we often miss. May our prayer imbue our lives with divinity and raise the divinity within the humanity, like the one who, in the darkness of the cross, courageously brought divine hope through acting and being. And it is in this one's name, Christ, that we pray. Amen. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. We welcome you again to Marsh Chapel on this Spring Ahead Sunday. Thank you for joining us as a part of our community of worship today. Whether you are here in the sanctuary, listening on the radio or live stream on the internet or later via our podcast, please know that you are a valued member of our community. For those of you joining us in the sanctuary, we invite you to fill out your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. This will help us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. Weekly chapel activities are suspended while students are on spring break. We will resume our activities on Monday, March 18th. For the sixth year, the ministry staff of Marsh Chapel offers a daily email Lenten devotion from Ash Wednesday until Easter Sunday. Each email includes a scripture passage, reflection, and encouragement for future action or more information. Registration for the Lenten devotion is currently available on the Marsh Chapel website under the heading Worship Devotions. For all other news and upcoming events, please visit the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. God, it's that time again. 
when seasons change. We look at our wardrobes, our desk drawers, our freezers, and see what we have and what we need for the season to come. As we prepare our offerings, probe us to look at all our wealth, to look at all that we have, what we truly need, and all that others may need for the season to come. Bless our gifts for your reign. Amen.
great healer who fills the earth with life and hope. Guide us to use these gifts to be vessels of your love to others so that others may feel your meaningful warmth. Through Jesus Christ, the one who took on insignificance to bring on significance. Amen. Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen, the evening comes, the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, a happy lodging and peace at the last through Christ our Lord. Amen. 